Beautiful song, Steph. Yes, it is. You ready for I your cue? So you got this down? It's been so long. Are you ready for it? I'm not going to say that I am. Here it comes. Wait for it. Wait, not yet. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another special, awesome, He Has Risen Easter episode of Ignite Radio Live. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, you are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter and the wonderful Matt and Jenny Daniels. Are there other non-wonderful Matt and Jenny Daniels? There might weaving be, in the but I just know that these are the wonderful ones. A little redundant to say True. wonderful Matt and Jenny Daniels, but we'll go with it. Yeah, So folks, Luke 4, reflect on Luke 4 for a second. What happens in Luke 4? It's kind of the Lenten story. Jesus goes into the desert and he fasts and he prays and he battles our enemy, his enemy and our enemy because we are in Christ. And he's presented with these four powerful temptations And he is victorious in the desert. But that's not the end of it. It wasn't just to battle again through the season of Lent. It says he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the point of those emptying moments, of those battle moments in our lives. God custom designs the battle for us to seek his grace. We cannot be victorious on our own. We need to seek his grace. We've got to humble ourselves and know that he's in it, though. For a purpose of, again, what? Coming out of it in the power of the Holy Spirit. So right away, wherever you're at tonight, whatever's happening in your life, I'm sure battle is taking place. If not, I would question whether or not you're in the battle for Christ. Because the enemy uh, detests you and me. I'm not saying to look for it. It's built into it. But whatever battle you're facing, I, I want you to, all of us together tonight, to proclaim his victory that he's working through that to strengthen us, to foster humility, to increase in us radical reliance on him. Maybe some of us tonight have been going at it on our own, and we need to say, God, I, I give up, white flag. You know, I surrender. I need your grace. I need your help. If you're in that place right now, that's exactly where Christ wants you to be. And he revealed to us in his own life that that's where he was, in Gethsemane, the Son of God, calling out to the Father. So if the Son of God did that, In a moment of great uh, desolation, number one, don't fret in our desolation and know that we need to cry out to God. I also take consolation by the church's prayer, certainly the Mass, but the divine office, the multiple times a day that begin with what? O God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. The church throughout the world prays this prayer together. Those who are priests and religious and deacons commit to praying the divine office. So if if they're called to do that, shouldn't we all the more take consolation that God understands that we're going through difficult things and he wants us to come before him and say, God, hmm, come to my assistance with this relationship with my spouse, with my children at work, the stuff I'm reading about in the papers, these things that I feel helpless over. Lord, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Let's begin tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord Jesus, no words we say surpass you who are the word. We avail our hearts and our minds to being ministered to by you tonight, God. We want to open ourselves up to hearing your voice through the stories and the conversation tonight. You are in this. And Lord, we we desire all the more to understand the purpose of declaration. That you who declared all of the world and the universe into existence with such great power. You declared 
man and woman, in your own image. You declared, Lord God, that in the fullness of time that your very Son will come on this earth and save us from our sin if we would choose to embrace him, that he'd save us from our sin, that we would no longer need to be in captivity to the enemy. You declared this, God, through your life, death, resurrection, and overflowing in Pentecost. In this moment, Lord, we receive that declaration. We proclaim with you, Jesus, death to sin, that we may rise with you right now in this very moment and receive that grace that you want to pour forth into our lives. For your glory we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 So very quick commercial. Go to ilovemyfamily.us. First of all, just say it. Wherever you're at, whomever you're with, a declaration is powerful. Just say, I love my family. If you're with your spouse, if you're with your kids, I want you to just lean into them and say, I love you. I love you. I love my family. So I love my family.us, a simple one-page description of what we're all about. What is it? Helping to make homes places of ever-deepening encounter, cultures of ever-deepening encounter with Christ, to discover our identity and our mission, not just for Chrissy or Chirp or Ignite or these various events, which are awesome, but that our homes are designed and meant to be those places. If you desire that all the more fully to discover it as we do, we invite you to join us on June 15th for a launch event at 2.15 p.m. at Holy Trinity. Join us for a launch event where we are going to take then seven weeks of journeying ever deeper into the heart of Christ in our marriages and families. And if you're an empty nester, that's awesome too, with groups. You can find out more about that at ilovemyfamily.us. And again, the begin date is June 15th, 2.15 p.m. We launch with a little mini retreat at Holy Trinity Parish. We hope you'll join us. I love you, Greg, and my family. I love you, Stephanie. We're declaring it. I love you, US. Daniels. Dot Just US. saying. Yes. That'd be a great website. I love you, I love you Daniels. Yeah. Dot US. Jack? We already have that. Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> okay. Check it out, folks. So, Tell me what you see. Um, again, we love to proclaim the scripture, Revelations 12, verse 11, that they defeated the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So we as Catholics so blessed to have the gift of the Holy Mass Mm. and the Eucharist. And we know the power that the Lord uses um, in our own story, in our testimony, whatever that may be in the littlest of ways. And in the biggest of ways, we know that being the powerful and wonderful and good God that he is, he just pours that grace through the um, into the extraordinary into the ordinary, and it's just a blessing to hear the different stories of the people that we are blessed with in our life, and know that the impact and the effect that the Lord has through them. So we warmly welcome once again the wonderful Daniel's family, the heads of. <laughs> How's that? They are the parents of five. Wonderful is the word for tonight, children. Greg, what are their names? Awesome names. Joseph, Maria, Luke, James, and John. We love you guys. You better be behaving right now. That. Who's watching them right now? Brenda Knight. Oh, go Brenda. Brenda. Thank you, Brenda. <laughs> Joseph's seven years old, so five children in seven years. We awesome. were blessed also six, I think, in seven years. He or always something. has I'm a not, little no, not bit competing. of competition. I just, I just I know what it's like. Yes. It's beautiful to yeah. have the herd. The herd mentality, like Ice Age, the herd. We're herd. I like the herd. <laughs> well, let's they become best friends. Here, I always call them team. 
Okay. Yes, that sounds so much nicer than heard. Where do you get heard? (laughs) I want to ask Matt what he. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, we welcome you and uh, and thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you for having us. By the way, uh, just to give you kind of maybe an end of the story, and then we'll go back to the beginning, the story story. But Matt is the senior director of the Department of Catholic Education, and he has uh, been in the seat now for what six months, seven months. Yeah, since the middle of November. Okay. It seems longer than that, but it's been it's been a great journey since November. Awesome. So we've come to know him through a number of different things, but the Mission One Marriage Retreat we were blessed to experience a month or so ago, and uh, I'm just delighted that you folks should be delighted and pray all the more for the uh, great appointing and anointing of Catholic education in this diocese. God's designed for us to all the more fully know him, heart, mind, body, and soul. Certainly the bishop, who uh, is uh, successor of the apostles and trusted with this. But Matt being sort of the, the focal point, hired to be that person, certainly in unity with all of us, but to bring that, that leadership and guidance in a very difficult uh, circumstances of the culture and the world today. So I just punctuate that to know you're with special people because, of course, Jenny is the uh, senior director of the Daniels Home. And, uh, you know, <laughs> Matt takes orders from No, so we're we're very blessed to have them both. And just to let you know, so you're hearing tonight, and we can be united all the more deeply in their mission, which you know is woven into their marriage and family. So we're going to get to that now. So Jenny, ladies first, share with us a little bit of the backstory of really kind of coming to know and to live for Jesus intentionally. Sure. So I was raised on a um, cattle farm, a beef farm in um, Greenville or outside of Greenville, Ohio. Um, and I was the oldest of four girls Mm. and yes. (laughs) Um, and we had a great time. Um, we worked hard on the farm. Um, we had, we showed cattle all over the country. Um, and it was, it was a great, a great deal of fun. How far did you go around the country? So our big our big event every year was um, the Junior Nationals. So some families take vacations in the summer. Uh, we went to cattle shows. Um, <laughs> so great. we would go, the Junior National changed locations every year. So most years, we missed a few, um, but most years from the time I was seven until um, Emily, actually, Joe was able to our oldest was able to show um, alongside Emily at her last junior national is my awesome. youngest sister. Um, but anyway, it was all over the country. So we went. Gosh, What's your what favorite place that you recall? You know, Not that you saw more than a field or a pasture and all that. <laughs> we, I don't know. I mean, we went to a lot of places. I liked out West. Um, my favorite place to show is, is in Kentucky actually. Um, cool. Is my favorite place to show. But anyway, so it was a great deal of fun. Um, my parents instilled so many values in us. We worked hard. We were, um, I mean, we just had a great time. Um, Can I ask you a question? Yeah, hopefully yeah. I didn't rob your train of thought. No. And, and it's just really a deep theological question. Do people who have farms and cattle moo also, or is it just the weirdos of us who are driving along on a country road that open the windows <laughs> and Like, does it just get old? We got cows and we yeah, don't need right. to moo at them. No, so... Um, we don't we don't moo, but there okay. is my my friends always. Um, <laughs> this is still enunciation radio, by the we're, way. Yeah, just, still, just still, <laughs> still the Catholic radio. Um, we're enamored by our cattle call. Okay, um, which is how you would bring them up to feed them. Please do it. <laughs> Come on, for mom Jen. and dad's sake. So it's been a long time since I've done it. Um, so when something like. 
That is awesome. <laughs> now Boy, she does that to her kids. Yeah, I was going to say, do you do that to the Boys kids? Yeah, no, girl. no. But anyway, you would. Anyway. Thank you for that. But we don't move. That's a great <laughs> icebreaker. You got to introduce that to the bishop at cabinet next time. <laughs> Matt just kind of have a cattle yeah. call. We'll work on that. Wants to yeah. bring the staff together, have a bishop oh cattle call. <laughs> well, he is the shepherd. Yeah, there you so go. Shepherd you could do call. something with He's the sheep. He's going to come with a shepherd sheep. call. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I see him doing that. But so I'll keep us back. I digress. So great, great upbringing. And when I was in junior high. My best friend um, passed away. Um, she and I were on our on our way up the stairs to a, a, bas- a junior high basketball game, and she collapsed and passed oh, away that goodness. night. And that was just a really um, pivotal time in my life. I right. struggled, struggled, um, and just was really lost. And I remember one night on my bedroom floor and saying, like, I can't do this by myself mm. um, and really calling on God um, in that moment. And that was really kind of a, a turning point for me um, in my faith journey. Um, so I, after that point, joined a church and became active in that church and may, met great people uh, who are some of my best friends today in high school and in college became um, really active in, in that uh, Protestant church um, then. And I, I think we'll talk later about, um, mm. you know, what it, what it, what that looked like as, as I grew into an adult. And um, no, was that a solo to, decision just for you? Or did you pull your it, sisters along? It was, it was a mm. solo decision. It, it was, a, it was a decision that, that I made and um, I was blessed. My, my parents would, um, you know, go to church with me and my sisters would come along with me and my family is still, active in that church that was right down the street for me where I um, became active in the youth group there when I was in high school. I had a friend who was there and it was right, right around the, right around the corner. So, but I'm blessed that they're still, still there and still a part of that community because it was a great, it is a great community and it was a great um, place for me to start my, my walk of faith. Awesome. It's a beautiful story and um, just for our listeners to know, with Matt and Jenny, their story truly is about not being Catholic and coming to Catholicism also. So this first part, this first episode that they're sharing, it is from a, a perspective of not being Catholic. So, Matt. Yeah. I'd like to first add on to my wife's story. Um, she leaves out often. She was oh, also <laughs> the, <laughs> the beef queen for <laughs> dark Can you, can you utter that? Pardon the pun? <laughs> <laughs> wow beef queen is that a thing is it's that a thing please tell me it's like a quotation earlier. marks all right <laughs> no there's a there's a crown and a sash and um and a tail and an <laughs> <laughs> we need a picture of this to put a, a, on the facebook page for people <laughs> beef queen i try to bring it up every time i can because she's um so modest about it but uh-huh. i think it's an but important you being the wonderful about. husband that you can are. i just ask what does it take to become the beef queen just so we're going in the right direction. <laughs> if you could here. see her it's face, just, people. It's just a, you know an interview. It's an interview essentially. Okay. I, I never like. She's so modest. It's you know, a there's royal more interview. within this. Royal, royal. for sure. Royal. royal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we should have bonanza music. So does that in the make background. you like an honorary king? Beef I'm not sure how something? that works. That's true. The, you I'm are royalty, curious. Matt. In the world, by association, like the Queen of or England, like you are like now beef. the yep. My mother-in-law was a pork queen, so it, it might Lord be. Lord Beef. Wow. There might be something oh. with families there. I'm not sure. Yeah. Hmm. Well, well thank, you, thank you for deeply. sharing that because she's mm-hmm. such a humble person, and I'm really glad you brought it up. So, Matt. Matthew. 
Well, so so thanks uh, again for having us. Um, so I was raised uh, in a, a Baptist church. Um, my mom is Amen uh, from West Praise Virginia. Amen, and um, she was our Sunday school teacher for years and years. And um, I love that we moved around a lot. Um, my family. My dad was a football coach. Um, a lot of people know he was um, at Ohio State for um, almost the whole tenure that Jim Trussell was. Hmm. Yeah, uh, the head of the the team in Columbus, and Very cool. we moved around. I think I moved eight eight times when mm-hmm. I was a kid, and um, really didn't have one place that was home. Um, but finished high school and college in Columbus, and um, I guess so. So, you know, I, I usually say that um, I was I was a Protestant, but not a very good one. Um, I kind of got to. Uh, not a lot of protesting going on there. Not a lot Pretty of, yeah. subdued. I kind of tolerant I, Protestant. Yeah, I got to pick and choose whatever I thought was really important. Um, you were at a tolerant, the time, right? <laughs> really tolerant <laughs> of whatever I thought was important. <laughs> okay. Um, and so that that was um, I don't know that kind of was was my journey um, in terms of um, always knew um, and was raised in a house where um, God and and. Um, we knew Jesus Christ died for our sins, um, and from a young age, I knew that that was really important, and um, made that decision. And uh, you know, and the those old uh, Baptist and lots of lots of churches have this. Um, we would call it a baptismal font in the Catholic Church, but it's a kind baptismal of like pool, pool, there, a large okay. large bathtub um, okay. that you always want to like fill up and see how it works. Um, right, but got to do that. Um, as gosh, I think I was in fourth or fifth grade, um, but it was a believer's baptism, and was so excited to do that. When versus I was, the non-believers baptism, well, like an infant's baptism, I where see. maybe parents are are right. more part you. of that. Okay, you can just look decision. at me, Matt. I'll keep. Yeah, I won't. I was, it was interesting it's just right. to add that adjective. I just so, in your wanted. dad, I believe you had said was baptized Catholic, correct? Yeah, my dad was um, was uh, from Pittsburgh and was. Um, his mom, his mom was a, a faithful Catholic, and um, you know my dad. So he was older when he got married, um, and he actually worked for ten years at Boston College. And mm. it's a part of of his life where you know we weren't around, and and my mom. That was before he married my mom, and it would have. I think it would be so interesting to know what kind of life he lived um, when he worked at Boston right. College. Um, you never asked him. I didn't. Yeah. It, um, you know, when I really kind of became passionate about my Catholic faith, um, it was toward the end of his life. He was diagnosed with kidney mm-hmm. cancer and um, had a bad heart, and he passed away in uh, February, let's see, De- December of 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was still kind of in the phase where I was pretty zealous, and mm-hmm. I loved to tell people um, maybe how they were wrong sometimes about uh, what their beliefs were. Um, yeah, I never got a chance to, to mm. ask him that, but since then I thought, I wonder, I wonder what it was like to work for a Jesuit university. And he was he was coaching football at Boston College, so um, I'll ask him. I'll ask Someday. him. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Sometime very soon. cool. So both of you had um, uh, Christ was in the water, if you will, not a Catholic specificity, not necessarily uh, observant even every week sort of faith, but I deduce from conversation that just values were woven into that. Um, I want to ask you the question, since we are talking kind of high school and college, certainly you were in a culture that had, uh, let's show you some emphasis on 
whatever feels good, do it. Your peers, high school, college. Um, how did you guys stand out or how did you hold up, if you will? How did you experience it and how did you hold up with these values in that sea? I'm not I, asking for nitty-gritty details yeah. of your own life, but just, you know, I mean, how did it forge in you your own faith? How did it? I would say I didn't um, I didn't do a great job of that. So so we both went to Ohio State, um, and I got I was blessed to be a walk-on at Ohio State for the football team. And, um, you know, it was... Uh, I would say, especially my first two years, um, it was a lot of fun, and and I don't asterisk. Yeah, there, there. Um, I guess the best way to describe it is, is you know, I, I think in here, I knew a lot of things that that I was doing was wrong, right? Um, even just just like you know, you'd have such a a good time on Saturday night that it would affect how you felt on Sunday and Monday, hmm. and so even from the aspect of like helping your team out, you know, that mm. knew that that wasn't the right thing to do. And, um, you know, Coach Tressel used to always tell us that nothing good happens after 10 p.m. Truth and, and more truth. He was right yeah. every time. Um, Before you're married anyways, but okay. Go yeah, with that. Well, yeah. <laughs> then it's the only time you're together, right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> the only time that the kids are asleep. Um, yeah, I would say in college, like I said before, I was – a Protestant, but not a very good one, and mm-hmm. um, kind of a little bit uh, two-faced, right? That that mm-hmm. again, there were some days where I really knew it and, and felt convicted to try to live my faith as a Christian, um, but then on a weekend, it didn't look like that. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no fruit of of what my faith was. So it, it was a, a pretty, um, I would say, a pretty dark <laughs> college experience in terms of. How I grew in, I didn't grow in my faith. I regressed in it. But thanks for sharing that because anybody who's listening right now, if you're in that place of whatever kind of faith you inherited and you get to high school or in your case as you're describing Matt College and, you know, trying to navigate that, you know, internally maybe something's problematic. I think everybody truthfully at some level knows there's some things here that maybe aren't aren't the best for you, whether you're a believer or not, that they just are not for the best. In your case, you spoke of for the team, you know, certainly moral sorts of things. The beauty is that we're hearing the story, folks, tonight. We're hearing them share uh, that background. Um, Jenny, how did you experience high school, college? Yeah, so I would say I, I kind of, you know, came to know God um, beginning of high school. By the end of high school, I was sorting, I was sort of, um, getting caught up in that culture, mm-hmm. and that carried into the beginning of college, and you know all that, all the fun that college holds, mm-hmm. right? And it was after my freshman year of college that I really kind of had this, you know, what am I doing? Um, mm-hmm. Moment, and one of my college roommates was going to a campus ministry on a Sunday night and I tagged along and um, that campus ministry um, was, was called new life at Mm -hmm. Ohio state. And that campus ministry then um, really became um, the heart and soul of the rest of my three years of college. Um, They were, those became my best friends. And so my last three years of college um, was actually probably one of the times in my life that I grew in faith the most. Um, but it certainly didn't start out like that. Mm. And, um, so I kind of experienced both, uh, back to back, but, um, yeah. It's awesome. So if you don't mind me asking, you went kind of 
maybe uh, just something to do. Your friend brought you along. Uh, that story could have gone before you shared it in the direction of that. It really didn't grab me, sure. but clearly it did. Yeah. What spoke to you as best as you can recall that night? What what stirred in you? Do you recall anything? Yeah. Was it a community? Was it a message? Yeah. It really was um, a combination, a great welcoming community. And I think, you know, in our journey, uh, which we'll, we'll talk about, um, but, you know, we've been to a lot of churches and a lot of, you know, different groups and things like that. And it is amazing the power of walking into a place and feeling mm. welcome there yes. and feeling like you are cared about mm-hmm. and feeling like you are loved. And that, I when I walked into a college party, I didn't feel cared about or loved or valued in any way. And when I walked in there, I felt like somebody there cared about me as a person and they didn't even know me, you know? Um, And I think that was the thing that really, I mean, I, it was a, you know, the pastor there um, who who is still a great friend of ours. Mm. um, But, you know, he had a great message and the praise and worship was wonderful. But I think what really hooked me was that, sense of community that's awesome and especially at that yeah. period of your life right yeah. you're away right. from home right right exactly no matter how excited one might be about that fact just to have something like that with you know open arms and yeah. welcome Absolutely. and it merits being punctuated that what you described as augustine said all that is true is ours is catholic was a catholic experience you experienced mm-hmm. vitality mm-hmm. of of god alive in humanity and it reached out and it embraced you and I, i'd love to capture just the last the glow of the last few minutes of you talking about that and every pastor to know that's what we've been appointed and anointed the whole community us also it's not just the past it's all of us that's what we're called to be and maybe it begs the question and worth us asking tonight you know are we that uh, enthused about Christ and what he's done for us and sharing that with people around us to the point that when new people come in the door, as you did, that they know their love, that they know their, regardless of where they've been or what they're doing, that they're welcome and they know their love. Just had to punctuate that. All right, so we got to get to the they meet. Share the Matt Jenny meeting story, at least version one. It's a great story. We um, <laughs> So Jen was uh, working at the hospital at Ohio State and there was a, a set of quadruplets that were born and wow. uh, the mom had to have surgery right mom had to have surgery and they were looking for some help to feed four babies at once and so Jen volunteered to help with this family and it happened to be a family uh, where the husband uh, worked at the university and I knew really well and the husband and wife kept telling us oh i've got this guy you got to meet or oh i got this girl you got to meet <laughs> i love it and we were both like don't we do, don't do this don't do that <laughs> yeah, right. don't do don't do this Please. this is weird Stop. don't do this <laughs> but it got to the point where they would um manufacture reasons for um, me to like come over to their house and so the one time i remember um anna said that the car wouldn't start right yeah so there are, and there are, we were at the house it was me and it was anna and there were another girl there and I said I have jumper cables in my car let's just go jump your car it's no problem they said oh no Matt's on his way (laughs) (laughs) why bother with what's right here when we can bring a guy from across town (laughs) 
It was really like from a half hour away. I'm like, you don't, like you don't have anyone there that can jump your car? I'm like, no, you got to go. I love good conspiracy <laughs> stories. So keep yes. going. So was that the first time? No, the first time we met was at the um, birthday party of these quadruplets. They mm-hmm. turned one. And they had a, a birthday party at um, Resurrection Catholic Church, their their social hall in New Albany, Ohio. And mm. um, that's where we met. And I was really smooth the first time. We of were course you to each were. Other. You didn't see the facial gesture. This is an audio Real medium, smooth. but I love Jen's <laughs> look in her face when you said smooth. But just have to let the listeners know. Go with it. You were smooth. So I said, hey. And she said, hey. And that was our first conversation. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> wow. That's where it began and ended. And, well, cattle, uh, hey, hey, you know, <laughs> Shakespearean, beef queen, both of you. you know. The funniest part of our dating, I think, is so I finally mustered up enough courage to ask her out to dinner, and we went to this Italian restaurant in in uh, Columbus. And throughout the entire dinner, um, I was pretty nervous, and I kept dropping my silverware. Do you recall this, Jen? I do. Okay, yes, I do. <laughs> to the point where she asked me. Are you okay? Is everything all right? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe those jumper cables were attached somewhere else. Uh, um, So backing up a a little bit, the spark factor. You saw her the first time. She saw you. You got that hay in there. Was it a kinetic? Was it a pregnant hay? Was it like a, she's, you know, hmm, she's the beef queen in the making. Or I mean, what? (laughs) I had no idea um, about any of the the beef um, (laughs) The okay. royalty that was part of the beef. Okay. But yeah, I would say <laughs> it for me it was kind of like this, like everything was kind of in slow motion and that's that's all I could muster was a hay. Um that's how kind of the first I was, experience I for was, me was. Keep in mind, I was holding a baby that was covered they had just done the cake Birthday smash. Cake, yes. So at this interaction I was holding a baby that was completely covered mm. in cake. And it was it was awkward. Nothing more attractive to a godly man than a woman carrying a baby with smashed cake. Right, <laughs> right, just, sure, I mean, sure. Me, that's Let's just, just like declare epitome. it right now. Right. It was foreshadowing is yes. what it was. <laughs> so the first date, um, you, Jen, you, things click in. I mean, the silverware stayed in place at some point, I suspect. And what what happened from that point? How to get more <laughs> serious? So I remember when... Day. I, I, I don't know that he'll, re- I'm sure Harry does remember this, but so Matt is um, Italian in, in by heritage, but loves Italy and was an Italian major in, in college and loves all things Italian. And it was a couple weeks after, maybe we had been on two dates or something, um, but he knocks on my door at, at Ohio State. I was living with a group of girls and had um, yellow flowers. Do you remember this? Had yellow flowers and it was women's day in Italy, right? Is that, is that what it is? Yeah. And the tradition in Italy is you, there are these specific yellow flowers that um, everyone gives to, to ladies in Italy on women's day. And you have the yellow microphone right now, which is pretty cool. Apropos anyways, but he, but when he, he came and he brought those and I remember thinking like, Oh, I think maybe he does like me. That was the first oh, time that I like interesting. like you know um maybe this maybe this is is actually I liked him but I really wasn't sure where he stood. Mm. So um anyway, that was the first time that I felt like eh, 
Maybe he maybe he does like me. So beyond the obvious, Matt, what are you thinking? Like, you know, so faith is woven in there as she obviously had this powerful experience that was a decision in freshman year and then the subsequent years. You had the first two years, a little bit of bad. Are you guys the same school year, by the way? Were you both? I'm a year ahead. Okay, mm-hmm. year ahead. So, um, when you're, were you thinking? Day, just tell me what were you thinking? What was going on with Matt at this point? I'd actually, um, so so the as we were dating, I was in RCIA, and oh. there was a point um, in the. So we met in February, I think, and that fall, I had kind of just given up on dating. Like I had been on date after date after date and um, really was frustrated with the whole thing. And and there was a point where I said, God, I'm done. Mm -hmm. I don't want to. This is pointless. This is a waste of time. I'm done. Um, And and that's when I (laughs) after that, I met Jen. (laughs) That's usually how it works. Right, right, right. So let me back you up a second since we are seeing sort of the collision of both your relational story and Matt, you kind of coming to a deeper understanding embrace leading into Catholicism. So share with us a little bit of the Italian story. Got the <laughs> Italian job. No, we want the Italian story. Italian story. So I, I never um, set out to major in Italian, um, but it turns out I, I was pretty good with languages, and I kept getting A's, so I kept deciding, well, I'll keep taking another class, another class, and uh, that led to my studying abroad in Italy. Um, and so I was in Rome at a language school, and during this time— my dad had already been diagnosed with cancer, but um, ended up having a massive heart attack um, when I was there. And the nurses uh, told my mom and sister, um, you should call your family because he probably won't make it through the night. Mm. Um, and so my dad and I had actually had a conversation, kind of like a worst case scenario. You know, he thought this was the right time for me to go. It was... Um, I needed this for my major to, to kind of finish out my my um, undergraduate degree. And he and I had had a conversation about, you know, worst case scenario. And I knew he and I were good, but I felt incredibly guilty mm. for leaving my mom and sister um, to, to, to experience this by themselves. So I did the only thing that I thought I could do from Rome, which was pray. Mm. And so I went across the street to um, to one of the, I think, 92 or 93 Catholic churches in two or three square miles in Rome. <laughs> and you're not Catholic at this point. And not Baptist Catholic. Baptist in your blood background, okay. But but knew that prayer was was a way I could help or mm. realize that it was the only thing I, I could do. And so I sat in the back of, of this church, a small church um, across the street from my school, and these Italians were praying this prayer together, and um, I knew enough Italian to, to start to understand what they were saying, and at a certain point I joined in, um, and that was the first rosary I ever prayed I um, in Italian in, in Rome and um, for, your dad. for my dad. Yeah. Um, and there were a couple other experiences that, um, you know, so when you get to Vatican City, there's um, just amazing things to look at. And I would make a point to go on uh, Wednesdays and Sundays to see then Pope Benedict the sixteenth, um, and Again, I could understand Italian pretty well. I, I was, I was, uh, the Italian language was was flowing pretty well. Um, and there are sometimes where I thought maybe, like maybe he's he's talking right to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've gone back to look at those um, the Angelus addresses, and it's it's just kind of amazing. Um, but I got a chance to go to uh, what's called the Scavi tour, and the Scavi tour is 
they only take about 100 people per day, um, and it's beneath the basement of St. Peter's Basilica. Um, and so what they discovered um, through, through years of digging and um, kind of removing dirt, um, that their um, St. Peter's Basilica originally was built on top of a hill, and, and Constantine moved dirt to build a church um, in the place where St. Peter was laid to rest. Mm-hmm. Um, so fourth so, century we're talking. Exactly. Long time ago. And so um, they've discovered all these um, pagan um, um, family mausoleums, um, and eventually at the end of this tour, um, you're, you're in front, maybe, I don't know, five or six yards away from the tomb of St. Peter, mm-hmm. which is directly beneath the altar in St. Peter's Basilica. Wow. And so as a Protestant, I, this was really cool, kind of historical. Mm-hmm. Um, you, feel, you feel you're in this you know, kind of damp and temperature-controlled con- climate in the, in the, beneath the basement of the church. And, and I remember thinking to myself, like, Jesus' best friend is, is right over there. Mm-hmm. That's right? just awesome. Um, and I remember like, praying on my knees, um, again, not really realizing kind of the magnitude of Christ building his church on top of, of Peter, like literally on top right. of Peter. Right. Um, but that certainly was, um, that whole experience in Rome was a catapult for when I came home. In fact, I came home uh, and went to the Newman Center at Ohio State, and I said, hey, I'd like to join your church. <laughs> and they said, okay, well, you have to sign up for classes. And I said, okay, <laughs> when are the classes? And she says, they start in the fall and they last till Easter. And I said, till Easter? <laughs> <laughs> I said, at my church, you just walk down the aisle, you're in. Yeah. <laughs> um, What's up with this? So that kind of started my journey in RCA. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew zero Catholics. Wow. In, I, knew, I, I, I knew one Catholic um, at Ohio State. Um, but... But that was it. Interesting. That's huh? very powerful. So you're in Italy at the uh, in this sacred place where so many things happen in our church history. And I've never been there, but I'm picturing it, and I have a visual image as you're there. For anybody who's been there, I'm sure just punctuating that this faith isn't just this ethereal, smoke, ethereal smoke-like thing. It's flesh and blood. It is history. It is tangible. And, and you were there to kind of maybe beg the question, because I'm going to ask you the next, beg the question of what were our roots? What, what was the truth and anchored here in its, its origins? Share with us, uh, Matt, if you will, uh, maybe a little bit about the, the book that you read and, if you will, how it kind of informed some of that, I don't know, the truth aspect of that heartfelt experience. Yeah, when I, so when I came back to the United States, um, actually the, the grandmother of the quadruplets that— um, where, how Jen and I met, gave me this book called Crossing the Tiber, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually something I did every day when I was in Rome going wow. from my apartment to, to uh, my, my school. Um, and so that was like the title itself was pretty real to me. Yes. Um, and part of the book talks about the Church Fathers, which, which was a, you know, it's a historical perspective of our faith that I had really never considered and certainly wasn't part of my uh, my tradition as a Protestant. Um, but, but when I started to look at the, you know, tracing our faith from the apostles, the church, like, like the first Christians, the church fathers until today, mm. I found this, this continuous line mm-hmm. that, 
that broken. It's, yeah, and and it for that that perspective, um, like it caused me to say, "Oh my gosh!" Like I, I'm not sure I've really understood like where my faith has come from, mm-hmm. or at least the tradition of my faith mm-hmm. has come from. Um, the other thing I I thought often when I was sitting in or standing in St. Peter's uh, Square was are all these people wrong and I'm right? Mm. You know, that was, mm. that was a really powerful thing for me where I, I like looked around and, and I actually, I actually remember going to um, a mass with one of my classmates um, who was Catholic, um, but, but she it was important for her to, to, to go to mass. Um, and so I, I went to, to a mass at St. Peter's when I was there um, and just kind of taking this, this whole thing in there, a million, I mean, there's people everywhere. Right. And I remember thinking like, so, so I'm the wrong, one that's right, and they're all wrong, right? <laughs> um, which was also kind of a profound um, right. thought for me. So, right. yeah. that's awesome. You know, I simply put that if we believe in the authority of Scripture, if we believe in the authority of the written word, we have to believe in the authority of the context that gave us that written word before the third century, right? When a lot of this in the various books. You know, what was the authoritative context that determined, for instance, that it would be Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but we're not going to include this Gnostic gospel called St. Thomas. And what context determined that? And then the fathers of the Church, and studying that for all of those folks who are listening now, you know, we have to beg the question, if we believe Christ came on this earth to reveal truth, then John 17 begged that we all be one, that it's a great scandal that today Christians are not unified. And you know, if there's no authority in understanding Scripture in a context and interpreting that Scripture, well, that validates 30,000 different denominations all believing some very different things. So it just begs the question, Christ prayed for unity in the Garden, and he provided for it. And he gave us Peter to uh, continue. And we're dealing, I think, with some confusing days. Uh, not the time now necessarily to discuss this, but I think a lot of folks are maybe troubled and frustrated and wondering what what is the authoritative teaching on this subject or that subject. And folks, if you do study this, the doctrine of the Church has not changed. It's developed, but it has not changed at all. Let's go um, a little forward now. So weave into it, if you will, the Catholicism with your courtship and marriage. Well, that's another, I think, great story. Um, so when Jen and I started dating, it was toward the end of my RCIA process, and um, I came into the church um, Easter of 2009, and so I invited my um, <laughs> New date uh, to <laughs> the Easter vigil. I think we why had, not? Right. I think we had twenty three or twenty four candidates at our wow. Easter vigil. Beautiful. And this was at on at the Newman Center at Ohio State. Two thousand nine. Two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I said Jen, um, I've got this this um, this really long mass uh, coming up <laughs> um, the the day before Easter, and you know you can come if you like. You don't have to, but but if you'd like to, you can come. And here's some yellow flowers. Just here's some <laughs> yellow flowers. Some, some more flowers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and she agreed to it. And that was my very first Mass ever. ever. That's love wow. from an anti-Catholic background, <laughs> kind of, and choose. That's love right there. Right. And afterwards, um, I, didn't, I didn't know. I, he didn't preface with the fact that they weren't all that long. I, afterwards, I said to him, I said, 
how mass is that long? Well, <laughs> because <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> so when you were sitting with his mom and grandma, I was, I was, yes, I got to sit with his family, and um, yeah, and and see see him come to the church. But I, I was very, um, I was very far away from from becoming Catholic at that point, um, and and continued. Um, you know, continued my walk um, with with God in our Protestant faith um, through our courtship and through our engagement and into our marriage. Mm. Um, and so, you know, we we certainly um, had many discussions about what that looked like, and I, I ad nauseum. I mean, we mm. discussed it, and. You know, it really wasn't until um, Joe came along, so our firstborn, Hmm. and um, when I was pregnant with Joe, I think started thinking about, and then, you know, Joe being born, what does this look like for our family? Hmm. Because we would, you know, when we were, we'd gotten married and he he, ne- I mean, he would always go to mass on Sunday. Sometimes I'd go to mass with him. Sometimes he'd go to mass early, and then we'd go to the Protestant church together. Sometimes we'd split. You know, I mean, it just was every week was different. And we went to a lot of Protestant churches. Oh. I just like to point that out in Toledo, Ohio. We went to a lot of Catholic churches in Toledo, Ohio. We did, Ohio. yeah. We I mean, we to went to a lot of churches. We you should be the, uh, what, senior director of churches in the <laughs> church like, region of Toledo. Nomadic church hoppers. It's true. <laughs> but I, so I think then, you know, once you start to throw kids into the mix, um, it adds a whole new dimension. You know, what? Are, how are we going to mm. raise our kids? Mm. And what is that? what is this going to look like? Because we can't drag our kids to you know, this church this week and this church this week, and they have to have some sort of, you know, we want our, we wanted our kids to have a church, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, to have a place that was home to them and we wanted a place that was home to us. So I think that was really what um, sparked me thinking and began reading a lot and conversations and just one thing after another, one obstacle, I guess um, you could call it, things that just didn't fit. You know, what all those all those things that you think of when you think of the differences between the Protestant faith mm-hmm. and the Catholic faith. Worshiping you know, Mary, who was Mary? Yeah. Was yeah? Are we are we worshiping Mary? Of yeah. course, you know the Eucharist, the idea of reconciliation mm-hmm. to authority a priest, the, the yeah. authority of the Pope. I mean, all of those things, one by one, reading about them. And coming and and really coming to the truth, and that was um, you know slowly it it was it was not overnight it was very slowly like okay maybe maybe this I, I hear you on this part okay but what about this mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. you know reading and learning and coming to understand you know the next piece um, until finally I got to a place where. I, I wanted to to make that faith my own, um, and and then joined our CIA and and came in um, came into the church. Beautiful, Jenny. So you experienced at a younger age, college, the vitality of that community that you explained kind of really reached out, embraced you, and gave you a sense of God's love. And then, of course, married, and you're asking the questions: What is truth? And you're open to that. Did you do you struggle sometimes with um, you know, maybe 
feeling here's the truth and I have to pursue the truth, but gosh, Lord, you created this also to be vit- to have a vitality in life, and it's emerging, and there's many signs and pockets. Certainly, beautiful bishop and his staff is amazing. I mean, just I'm, we are so excited to be in this diocese and see things unveil, but we're working toward that, are we not? And you come from that background. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts as you were kind of coming to embrace truth and Catholicism with perhaps what might be less than an experience of great vitality? You never said that to me, but I'm just asking for those who may be listening. Yes, we definitely experienced that. And I think um, when when we were we were dating or when once we were married, one church, the the first Catholic church that we went to, we actually visited. um, John the twenty third. Help me out in Perrysburg. Mm, It was still blessed. Yes, it was blessed then. And they had a young adult group and that we were a part of for a, a small period of time. But it was that mm. it kind of was that bridge for me. Awesome. That because I felt that sense of community mm-hmm. and um of course now we are we're blessed to be parishioners at, at Holy Trinity mm. Parish and there is I I'm I we're we're partial, Phenomenal but there community. is no better community on the face of the planet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Having surveyed all yes. the churches on the planet, I've come to a conclusion. We think, I think it's the best. No. Well, um, I, can, I can say that the but, many families that we know there, it is a very, very special, unique, mm-hmm. real deal community who are there for each other in an outpouring of numerous ways. And many are drawn to it for that reason. I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the time and I'm realizing we could, we're going to have to do like five episodes. (laughs) But before we get to the second episode, um, if you don't mind backing up a little bit to your marriage, which was in your mid twenties. And now you have five kids in six years. You're a stay at home mom. Both of those are countercultural. Both of those ideas of having children being open to life, especially with strong Protestant influences, and I'm making some assumptions there with regard to acceptance of contraception and that whole thing. And so at the same time, you're encountering life in what the Church teaches with regard to the truth of the human person, the anthropology, man and woman created in God's image, and living that out fully, which the Church beautifully articulates. So to ask the question, how is some of that truth, um, how are you receiving maybe some of that truth in your mid-20s, having children, being open, and a stay-at-home mom versus, say, a double career type of thing? I think it's, um, as a couple, so, so I guess the, the first thing to say is we we haven't planned for any of our children yet. <laughs> God planned. Yeah, God <laughs> Absolutely. planned. And, um, and at the same time, we can't imagine... <laughs> not having them the way they are, just the way they are. Mm. Um, you know, we, as a, as a young couple, so, so I would say, I think we were the, some of the first of both our, both our sides of our friends that were married. Sure. Um, and we were married in June. Um, and then when we, we found out about Joe in November, October, October. October. Um, and so it was kind of a, Right off the bat, which Beautiful. none of our friends did, mm-hmm. um, or even are doing now, um, and we so we're open going in, open going in, and and we keep making the joke that we would have loved to try natural family planning, but we've never got the chance. Um, <laughs> we, we have since um, 
uh, studied a little bit more. Um, <laughs> and it really is a great, um, it's just been a great, it's beautiful. I think, a- aspect to our marriage. That you embrace that teaching, though, around the time of your marriage. Was of that course. Was that a struggle for you when you faced it? Was it a challenge to know it and maybe say, oh, I like all the church is teaching, and this one will just kind of keep on the down low? No, um, and, and I was, so when we... You know, when we were married, I, I was not Catholic. And um, we actually, I, at the very beginning of our marriage, um, I was on contraception. Mm-hmm. Um, and just honestly, my, my body did, did not respond well. Mm-hmm. And um, one day he, Matt was like, then just don't take it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, ooh. Um, but I stopped taking it because, it, and really for me at that point, it was really because my body Elf. just, yeah, it mm. was just, I didn't like the way it made me feel. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, then came Joe and we were excited. You know, we were, were thrilled to, thrilled to have him. Um, and then, you know, it was during my, during my pregnancy with Joe um, that, you know, we really, came on board to that and knew that that was something that, you know, we would never, we would never pursue again. Um, that, that, you know, from that point forward, natural family That's planning awesome. would be how we would, you know, raise our family. So you guys yeah. both glow. Mm-hmm. You, you just have a delight and joy in the Lord and funness. And of course, their kids High funness too. factor. So, I mean, I just wish people who are listening right now who may be struggling with the nature of marriage and God's design understood that if you're about joy and happiness, the Daniels are an awesome couple who exude that. And there's certainly many, many others who do that. And it is countercultural. And there's you know, I, I urge you, those who are dating, to really seek to understand what the church is teaching here. But it's incarnate here in front of us. We see it exemplified by Matt and Jenny. Um, and what about, though, the dynamic of the home? Because obviously it's not just having this physical life, but Humanae Vitae, the beautiful teaching that there's the spiritual analogy at the home as a place to form those souls. How did you maybe come to embrace that? Or was it always there that I'm going to be at home and be a homemaker? Yeah, so I actually began. So um, I worked. I was. I'm a nurse and worked as a nurse uh, through my pregnancy and having Joe and Maria. And it was when I was pregnant with James that we really. So my third, that we really began to think about that and and think about what that looked like for our family, and just decided that that was where I wanted to be was wanted to be mm. able to be home with them. And, um, you know, I wanted, I felt like I, there was, I wasn't able to form them every day that, mm. you know, I wasn't there, mm. the primary person that was with them all day, every day. And that was saddening to me. So mm. I was, I'm blessed to be able to be home with them. Um, someday I may, I, I may enter the workforce as a nurse mm-hmm. again when the kids are older, but, um, when I stayed home with James, I thought, oh, I'll stay home for a year or two. And it's been almost five years and I'm still home with them. And I'm thankful for it every day. That's awesome. Um, it's mm. a challenge every Beautiful day, words. no doubt, yep, yep. <laughs> as Stephanie and can attest good. to, but it is, um, it's, it's a great joy. It Beautiful is a great witness. joy. Beautiful Thank witness. Matt, we've got a few moments left and I do want to encourage our listeners 
on Ignite Radio Live to check out ilovemyfamily.us. Join us, the Daniels joining us, many couples joining us on this journey of more fully encountering Christ alive in our marriages and homes. June 15th, it begins. I'm 2 sure 15 they'll PM sign Holy Trinity, absolutely. But Matt, in a minute or less, I'm putting you on the spot here as the Senior Director of the Department of Catholic Education. What's your passion and vision in a minute or less? for education in this diocese, because I know it's strong and deep. Which overflows into your home. And then you'll hear David Crowder's music kick in, and then we got to go to closing prayer. But you've got until the music kicks in. I think the my dream is that in each one of our schools and our religious education programs, um, that we are able to make Jesus Christ known, loved, and served. Mm. And, awesome. And I think that starts primarily with with our teachers and our catechists and our those who are forming our kids. They have to make Jesus Christ known, loved, and served in their own life before they can share that with their students. And we have amazing um, catechists and teachers and school leaders who live that faith every day. And I think we have some that are willing to be on that journey but need led. Um, and so that's my dream, that that we have in each one of our schools that— um, each one of our school leaders and our those who are helping to form our young people, that that's where they are, and they help our students get to that point too. You know, I don't know I've I've said this to Father Mike Dandran often. You know, it's our job in Catholic education to introduce our young people to Jesus Christ, and if we can do that, we've done a great job. That's awesome. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord, thank you for the delight and joy that you make possible by making yourself known, revealing your Son, Jesus Christ, to us, who can be known and understood and lived and gives us his Spirit to inhabit these hearts that you fashioned for you. We do pray for healing of heart, mind, body, and soul, all the debris out of the way that we can experience you to such great joy and abundance that it overflows to all around us. We claim this region for your glory. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Amen. Father, Son.